What's up? What's up? Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned into In the Lab with Hoopsology. I am Matt Thomas, your host for today. I am joined by actually nobody. Justin is off this week. He's out on travel. So shout out to him. I know he sends his warm regards. And we both hope that you all had a great Thanksgiving break. And we have a lot to talk about. So <laughs> we're pressing on with this solo episode because there's a lot of topics that I wanted to cover. So we're going to get into a lot of things. We're going to get into the charging rule after the Anthony Edwards injury. We're getting into Clippers talk, some recent Paul George comments. We're getting into a little tiny bit of the Josh Giddy situation that has been perforating social media. We'll also talk about the state of the Grizzlies and the Spurs, state of the referees. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers a little bit here, too. Uh, kind of go uh, out of the box here a little bit. But want to start out, I I've, hope you guys are enjoying the in-season tournament. I'm enjoying it, too. I'm even enjoying some of the little side controversies and gripes. Teams not enjoying the point differential thing that will elevate teams in the standings. Like for example, I think the Celtics were up by 32 on the bulls and were fouling Andre Drummond. And so there was um, this pressure that the Celtics were feeling because they needed a greater than 23 point victory in the game to ensure their standing was as best as it could be in the in-season tournament. So they went after the bulls and Naturally, it's it's you know not considered nice to run up the score, and you know I'm not the biggest soccer guy or football non-American um, follower. I don't have a problem with the sport, but I I would imagine that point differential plays into those matches as well because I know it affects their standings. So obviously, it's a little more difficult to run up the score in soccer, but I'll bet there are instances where that happens. Honestly, I don't have a problem with that i am of the mind as many of you maybe that if you got a problem with the point difference you should be playing better defense trying harder especially in a professional league we're not talking about a high school team here or young kids playing the game a ymca league something like that now having said this and giving my thumbs up even even to a higher degree than i would have thought of going into the season Here's a question for you guys, and, and you can answer me in the comments. You can get in touch with us, hoopsologypod at gmail.com always. But your thoughts, should the NBA compete with the NFL on Thanksgiving Day, if that's a possibility? Now, I know you don't want to go directly head-to-head -head maybe in game, so maybe you bet on starting your game during halftime of one of the NFL games in the hopes that maybe it's a blowout or an uninteresting game. People are looking for something else to get their eyes on. I would argue too, that maybe the audiences are so um, divided or sectioned off that maybe people watching the NBA don't always overlap with NFL fans. So you might do okay there anyway. What we know is it's a day that the country here in America has off and you could potentially get some more viewers that way. So I would propose maybe we feature 
two games and they're very high profile games, you know, make them Christmas day level type of competition and let's get the ball rolling. Let's not wait until Christmas to have our cream of the crop matchups. Let's get this done and let's have it have some in-season tournament consequences, have, have it on the courts, whatever they decide those courts will look like next year, have it play out that way and see if you can, compete or start to give the impression that you're competing with the NFL. Let's move right along. We've got, again, several points to get to before we get into controversies, as the title suggests of this episode, I do want to start with some positive notes. And and what I want to highlight are two teams that are really just plain and simple kicking butt in the league unexpectedly have to start with the Eastern Conference Orlando Magic 12 and 5 they've won their last 7 they run about 10 deep i do think because of their place in the Eastern Conference there's a legitimate chance that i i don't predict that they hold on to third place in the east certainly but i i think it's a real shot maybe they could contend for at least the 6 seed uh, at this point they're already getting some separation from the six seed Pacers. Um, but kudos to the Magic because let's be honest, ever since Dwight Howard left, it's been difficult to take the Magic seriously. They have been a franchise that always pushes to get to the playoffs, but they haven't really done much. Usually it's been if they get to the playoffs, it's like around the eight seed before the play-in tournament was established at the end of the year. So um, for them to be the third seed is pretty shocking. So they're kind of, both of these teams really are the surprise teams of the year so far, Uh, much like the Utah Jazz were last season, that they came out with a really hot start. And then second half of the season, especially after the All-Star break, you know, it kind of fizzled out. I don't predict the Magic flaming out, um, at least to the degree that the Jazz did last year. So kudos to you guys in Orlando, and congratulations to Magic fans for having a fun team to watch. In the Western Conference, it, it goes without saying, and we might not be able to say it much longer, but the Minnesota Timberwolves deserve uh, you know, a pat on the back, uh, a sincere handshake, a sincere fist bump at minimum. They are sitting at 13-4, and four, and they are at the very top of the Western Conference. I wanted to pick the Timberwolves higher in my season predictions, and I just could not pull the trigger on it. And kudos to them. Uh, I think it is highly unexpected for them to be at this position at the one seed. The Timberwolves, I think it's it's more volatile, maybe not because of the Timberwolves' own organizational fault, but because of a loaded Western Conference. Um, there is more volatility here compared to with the Magic. And I do think they could fall further in the Western Conference standings just with how tight and and deep the Western Conference is at this point in time, or at least as tight and deep as, as they appear. So now that I've said that, let's talk about the, uh, as of the recording of this podcast, the Timberwolves' most recent game against the Oklahoma City Thunder, where at one point, Anthony Edwards, incredible athlete, you all know, drives down the lane and elevates 
and one of the Thunder players gets under him for a charge. You can watch the highlight yourself and decide if if it was dirty, if he was sliding under Anthony Edwards, or if he got there first. But regardless, Anthony Edwards took a really scary fall, landed on his hip, seems to be injured. Last I heard, there are concerns that he could have fractured his hip, which would be devastating for the Timberwolves. I'm going to kiss that one seed goodbye, certainly, uh, if that happened. It would be very unfortunate. And so as happened last year as well with certain plays involving charges or potential charging fouls or blocking calls, a defender essentially trying to get position. There were calls all across social media to end the charging rule. And I just want to say bluntly, I don't think we can end the charging rule if we want to give the defense any sort of credence in professional basketball. I think if you cannot set your footing and take a charge, then it's it's going to be a, a nightmare for defenses. It, it already is too much of a nightmare for defenses to try and contain offense. So I would encourage us all to not let our emotions dictate where the ruling goes as far as charging penalties occur. There is responsibility, and maybe you don't think it 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 is the case in this specific Anthony Edwards instant instance, but there is a responsibility on the person driving the ball to make sure that you are safe to elevate like that. Um, much like if someone is meeting you at the rim to block the shot, you know, you have to weigh that decision. If you're going to go through with a dunk or lay it up instead of trying to jam it over their arm or very similar, at least decision needs to be weighed when you are driving in the lane and, and elevating. You have to make sure it's safe where you're going. I think that's just a natural part of the game. You hate to see serious injuries. Obviously, nobody wants to see that. But you're talking about a rule change that could change the entire landscape of professional basketball and maybe basketball as a whole because I'm sure it would follow suit in younger and younger leagues too and in youth sports. Um, I, I think this is something that should be given thought. I am against taking away charging uh, and and the defenders really more the the allowance for defenders to stand their ground um, when someone is coming you know oftentimes full speed at them and and out of their own control on the offensive side of the ball let's move on uh, keeping it you know slightly positive. I guess the the Clippers, who Justin and I have voiced our displeasure of, they are climbing back slowly towards 500. They snapped their six-game losing streak, that initial losing streak after acquiring James Harden uh, against my Rockets, and they're inching back up to 500, as I said. I am still skeptical of this team. I, I am worried about them defensively. Um, However, I think let's give a pat on the back to Russell Westbrook for being the one that said, hey, it's going to be better for this team if I come off of the bench. So he kind of gave up his starting role there. I think that's very smart on his part. I think both from a PR perspective and I think also for his, his own play. And he can still 
be on the court potentially in crucial minutes. Although with a 59% free throw percentage last I saw, it may be tough to justify him playing him at towards the ends of games two, but I'm sure he's going to want to be in at that time. Now, there's an instance that happened in the most recent Clippers game, again, at the time of the recording of this podcast, where Westbrook got into it with a fan again. I believe it was immediately following two missed free throws, speaking of those free throws. And I don't know what the fan said. I, I don't know if it has been specifically reported what the fan said, but I have heard that it it was not something over-the-top outrageous. It, w- it was not something um, extremely personal. It's kind of like encourage the fan who was a Clippers, who is a Clippers fan, um, was wanting him to do better, just perform better. Like, come on, make your free throws. I don't know exactly what was said, but it got Russell Westbrook fired up. The fan has not been banned from that game or, or any games following has not not been a season-long ban like we've seen the NBA do at times but um it it's tough here you know you're always taught when you're a kid or at least I was that you don't give the bullies what they want you don't you don't react if someone's teasing you verbally or things like that because they're after that reaction and it seems like over the last couple years it is unfortunately you know, easy to trigger that in Westbrook. And obviously it has been uh, a tough couple of years for him, just, just kind of getting towards the tail end of his career potentially and performances declining. You understand the frustration where he's coming from, but I do think <clears throat> he needs to hold his composure a little bit better. When asked about this incident after the game, Paul George said, quote, Nowhere else can people go to someone's job and disrespect you at your job and it be okay. When people come to work, they should be respected at their job. End quote. I don't disagree with that last line. When people come to work, they should be respected at their job. I, I think, yes, there's there's a human decency element here that we all get and I think agree with. The The part of this quote that I think was problematic that people were sounding off on is the very beginning where he says, nowhere else can people go to someone's job. And I know if you have worked in service industry, as I have, you you know that this is not the case. This is, this is not unique to athletes. Now, I do think what Paul George is trying to get at, and if I'm trying to steel man his position here, and I, I do think this was his intention because I, I do think Paul George is a pretty smart guy, pretty smart player. I think what he's saying is that there's there's an expectation that it's going to be okay to boo players and to criticize players that way that is unique. And I would agree that, that that's true. Um, there is a unique element here when you are a public figure. Um and when you are making millions and millions of dollars to do this, that does come with strings attached. I think that's just a reality. There are points where the fans heckling and booing can go too far. But if someone, like what what it sounds like happened with this Clippers fan, I mean, that was his team. He wants his team to win, presumably. I I think it's perfectly fine to try and encourage your team or to be upset when your team isn't performing well. I mean, that's, that's kind of 
what we're going for with a, an entertainment league, having fans care about the product. Athletes, a lot of the times, maybe should have thicker skin. Um, and that's not a universal rule. There are times, certainly, and we've talked about it plenty of times on the show, where fans do cross a line or say something really out of line. And it, it does seem like there are serious consequences. And um, it, it'll constantly be uh, a conversation that goes back and forth like this. Um, because it's, it's always going to be uh, something that's imperfect because it, it deals with a human element, of course, and we're all imperfect. Let's, let's move forward. And uh, there's no easy way to segue into this topic. So I'm just going to say that Josh Giddy of the Oklahoma City Thunder has potentially had actions that have brought himself into um, the ire of, of public opinion and public discourse lately. Uh, these are all allegations at this point, and it's currently being investigated by the NBA. I don't want to talk about the allegations specifically. You can look them up if, if you aren't aware of them. They are pretty serious, if true. Look, here's, here's what I'll say, and I think some of you might not like this, um, but I think it's worth saying. I, I think, look, it's it's been a part of mainstream culture. It's been a part of NBA culture, maybe not directly what's being broadcast on the television and certainly not on the court. But there's been this, this little kind of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge that, that it's okay to have this hookup culture with players going um, city to city. As, as a professional athlete does, and especially in the NBA or in the MLB, you know, these guys have long seasons. They're traveling constantly. Even still, I've, I personally don't think it's okay to be so casual about promoting hookup culture and maybe not treating partners with the respect that they, sh they should deserve just as human beings. And I think we are seeing potentially a consequence of that. And I, I do think it is, it is a direct consequence of those values. Honestly, that's, that's why it's easy for me to root for someone like Nikola Jokic, who seems to be a guy who really cares about his family. Family man talks about, you know, wanting to go be with them. Giannis has, has been that way too. Many NBA players have done that. LeBron um, ha has been, very, very solid as wanting to at least project being a strong father and um, and being a person who values his family, which I think is great. Uh, I know Charles Barkley had the I I'm not a role model campaign. We've talked about that on the show. And the more I see things like this happen, which would be horrible if the allegations are true here, but I... I question why. Why shouldn't athletes strive to be role models? I personally would like to see that. Now, I think it goes both ways. I, I think we as a society should not idolize. We should recognize that these are human beings that are flawed, that make mistakes. But I think also, why not strive to be a role model, strive to be someone that you know people can can want to emulate potentially or, or just feel um, 
good about rooting for. And, you know, I think the hope at the end of the day, of course, is that in this situation specifically, that the allegations aren't true. So let's move right along. Uh, the very last place in the Western Conference, San Antonio Spurs. It's been rough. It's been rough. Um, you know, there was kind of like a honeymoon for early on, like the first five games. I believe the Spurs won three out of those first five or three out of the first six, whatever it was. And so there was thought even, even among Justin and I that, wow, maybe these guys are actually going to exceed their over-under projection here. And just has not happened. They have lost 12 straight. And I mean, we know we know the team needs more pieces to compete with Wemby. They can't just have Wemby and compete. We predicted, you know, he's not going to impact games in, in terms of the team's offense. He's not going to be as impactful as like a LeBron James who has the ball in his hands all the time. You know, he kind of in some ways needs to be set up to have success. But man, it's it's starting to get ugly. When the Clippers played the Spurs recently, I'm sure you saw this clip. It was last week. Coach Popovich went out, grabbed the microphone, and asked his own home court fans to stop booing. Said, "You know, we're better than this. Let's show. Let's show a little class." Uh, because fans were booing Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, as you probably remember, left controversially. Um, among some questions about injuries and his relationship with the franchise, his relationship and distrust potentially of the medical staff in San Antonio. So left on kind of bad terms, and the Spurs haven't been the same since he left. So there's there's a little motivation for angst there. It does not appear like Spurs fans were being outrageous. Again, kind of a much like the Westbrook situation uh, recently anyway. Uh, it, fans weren't throwing things on the court. Fans weren't, at least that has been reported, saying um, things that should not be said in public uh, or in private, you could say. Um, so for Pop to react this way seems pretty out of touch. Um, and also this is, you know, a fan, a fan base. These are your hardcore of hardcore fans. I mean, they are attending a game in the midst of a 10 loss at the time skid. And these are fans still coming to your game and you chastise them for booing. This is really one of the, the only motivations they had at this time, other than watching Wemby to go to this game um, was that Kawhi Leonard was going to be there. I think chastising your own fans is a, a step that's a little too far. And I do think if I'm ownership in, in San Antonio, I mean, we know how stubborn Coach Popovich is. And, and you know that his relationship with ownership is tight. But I do think if you're the owner here or one of, one of the owners, you should have a conversation of him about, hey, we're on a 12-game skid. I get this is a rebuilding and developmental year around Wemby, but maybe Greg, could you please not, you know, rip on the home court fans, like the, the few people that are buying tickets now, now that we're in this three and 14 record that, Hey, you've been the head coach of just so you know, I, I don't think Popovich is done coaching anytime soon, unless he wants to be done. 
And I and you know the situation doesn't necessarily indicate that he needs to be, but he did sign a five-year deal worth eighty million dollars in July. Uh, so following the NBA draft, so he he and with his success as a coach and being a legend in sport, he gets to leave on his own terms. We all presume, but. You have to wonder if this season is really ugly and the next season starts out ugly, is ownership, what will be that point that ownership maybe feels it's time for a changing of the guard here? Um, So we'll wait and see. Two more quick things, and then we're going to get out of here. Return of the refs. The officiating in some of the games early on has has been brutal now two seasons ago there were there was kind of a narrative and we talked about it with guests on the show about the league allowing a little more physicality does seem like we've gone away from that maybe that's from the recent minnesota golden state little rivalry clash and with what draymond did to go bear maybe there have been instructions to call fouls more diligently anyway you look at it, I, I don't like the look and feel of not all, certainly, maybe not even the majority, but a good chunk of games lately. Just as an example, I was watching this game last night, and Roosh Williams, shout out to Roosh, friend of the show, pointed out that there were 52 fouls in 48 minutes in Houston versus Dallas last night. And look, it's it's just bad television to watch games that flow that way that are stopped literally every single minute and beyond of gameplay to shoot free throws or to stop momentum. I I beg of the NBA, please look into this. Please allow a little bit more physicality. Defense is important too. And the league is better when we have some sort of balance between defense and offense. Offense is always going to have a little advantage um, unless some some really huge <laughs> changes are made. We all don't see that coming. But please, please let defense do a little bit of its thing. Don't handcuff them all the way. So just wanted to point that out. You guys give me your thoughts. Has the officiating, let's get more specific because people tend to be negative towards the officials. Has the foul calling gone up? Have you noticed a changing in the pacing of the game by more fouls being called on teams. So let us know your thoughts there if you have noticed that same trend. Last thing I want to mention, we got word today that Aaron Rodgers is coming back off the injured reserve list. And it has only been three months since his Achilles tear in game one of the regular season. How bananas is that? I mean, three months for an Achilles tear. I mean, something that is typically seen as it's going to take a full calendar year for you to recover from. This is the injury that 10 years ago, now granted all injuries are different, yes, and maybe he didn't have as severe of a tear potentially. We don't know the full details there, of course. We haven't looked at (laughs) his medical chart or anything like that and compared it to Kobe's. But 10 years ago, this changed the entire trajectory of Kobe Bryant's career. So let's see how Aaron Rodgers does when he comes back. If Aaron Rodgers is performing well, I mean, either he's a freak of nature in terms of recovery, which, hey, maybe that's possible, or hopefully what this is is a big indication in 
a major improvement in sports medicine for coming back from an Achilles tear. We certainly all hope that so that <laughs> we ourselves can come back quicker from Achilles tears and also so the athletes that we love to watch can do the same. Give us your thoughts. If you enjoyed the episode, please like, share, subscribe, comment, shoot us an email, hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Follow us, any social media that you're doing, Hoopsology Pod or search Hoopsology Podcast and you will find us. We really appreciate your guys' support. Thank you so much. Hope that you have a great week after Thanksgiving, getting set up for this holiday season that I always really enjoy and look forward to. You guys take care. We'll be back. Justin will be back next week to provide some of his thoughts and commentary as well. I am Matt Thomas. Talk to you soon. Peace out.